Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Andrew Teacher, founder of Blackstock Consulting. Now this week we're doing a series of in-conversation with discussions focused on modern methods of construction or MMC. We're going to chat with bosses at LNG, Ilka Homes, Lang O'Rourke, Homes England, Project Utopia, Top Hat, as well as Cast Consultants' his Mark Farmer, who's the government's MMC champion. I'll be asking each of them how they're coping with the crisis and finding out where they see the future for off-site manufacturing. Now, three and a half years on from the publication of Modernise Our Die, which was commissioned jointly by business and housing ministers, I'll ask Mark Farmer to respond to some of the company boss's comments and find out what he thinks UK lawmakers should do next to get our country building greener, better quality homes more quickly. First up, we've got Rosie Tugard, who's CEO at Legal and General Modular Homes. It's part of Legal and General Group, which has a long history in housing, from retirement brands like IVG and Guild Living to affordable housing and traditional house builders such as Carla and LNG Homes. Rosie's team are looking to challenge the convention of the construction industry. Rosie's got a fascinating background at Royce Royce and actually played a critical role in creating the Trent 900, which is the engine that powers the Airbus A380, the world's largest passenger airliner. Now, as the construction sector powers back to work, I started by asking Rosie what's most inspired her in recent weeks. Yeah, I, I think, you know, whilst we had to temporarily close the factory, you know, we've had a large number of people working from home and it's been great to see the way in which um, they've collaborated, um, you know, both in terms of people, you know, within legal and general modular and our uh, partners and, um, you know, fellow modular manufacturers you know we've come together um you know shared ideas um actually got a lot of work done during this time period in a very focused and and uh, and you know efficient way so it's it's uh, it's it surprised me how well uh, people how positively people have, have responded to the crisis so yeah i mean one of the things that surprises me a little bit is, is people talk about the different modular manufacturer businesses as being rivals but but you're not really rivals are you Rosie because the, the market is so huge uh, and and the industry it's such a nascent industry that there's actually a lot more to be gained by collaborating and, and working with everybody at this point in time isn't there yeah that's right Andrew you know we we're very small we we all have huge ambitions to grow um, and there's there's lots that we can share and help each other grow there's lots of things that you know we we want to keep to ourselves but the you know the positive thing is that we are um you know starting to work together and and think about how we get through some of the covid specific problems um together and how we you know we kind of really really create a voice for modular manufacturing in the uk and create an industry that the the country can be proud of no that's that's absolutely that's absolutely uh, spot on so look Give us a few trade secrets. Tell us a little bit about this new production line that that, that you've installed and that's ready to go, because that, that's pretty exciting. That, that gives you heaps of extra capability, doesn't it? Yeah, so one of the things we've been focused on is 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 broadening the product range that we can offer so um, we're currently producing two and three bedroom homes um, out of cross laminated timber which is um, effectively a, a, a cross ply of, 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 of timber that's uh, engineered um, to give it its 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 uh, material properties and, and, and great strength so we've been using like that massive wafer biscuits it, 
Yes, that's a really good way of describing it. That's right. Massive, really strong way for biscuits. Um, so our, our... we just let's not tell Nigel Wilson that we're going to call your houses massive <laughs> way for biscuits. No. So he won't like that. No. So our two and three bedroom homes are made from that, and we're expanding our product range to deliver a four bedroom home from from cross laminated timber. Um, and we've also developed uh, one and two bedroom apartments. Uh, they will be uh, manufactured from uh, concrete and steel. Um, and we're also adapting those one and two bedroom apartments to be able to offer bungalows. So so we, we've got a really broad modular product range and that really allows us to plot whole schemes with a nice level of variety in what's being delivered. So, you know, we get away from this kind of, you know, cookie cutter criticism of, of modular and we're able to really create uh, master plans, schemes that have a look and feel of a real community, lots of variety in the way in which uh, the sites are plotted, the little kind of communities within a community to give people a sense of uh, place and ownership and feeling of belonging. Um, you know, and that's something that Module has been criticised as not being able to do in the past. So we're really excited about this product range. It allows us to offer to a broader range of customers. It also takes account of, um, you know, sustainability. Um, so all of our homes will be uh, designed and delivered to uh, to have an energy performance certificate of A. So, you know, that means um, that we are in the top 1% of homes that are delivered in the UK right now for energy efficiency, which, you know, clearly from... And, and that's really important, isn't it? Yeah, in, in terms of sustainability, it's something that, you know, it's something that the, the government was talking about a decade ago, wasn't it, in housing? And, and it, it kind of all got a little bit forgotten in, in, in the last recession. So that the fact that you're able to produce energy really super energy efficient homes is, is, is a is a thing that that mustn't be lost as we enter this recovery no and it's a, it's a real advantage you know we have as modular manufacturers that we you know we're taking the the fabric first approach um taking the quality with which we can produce our homes in a factory environment you know getting to levels so of just, just, ex just explain what that exp just explain what that means in terms of uh, you know because i think you know, people talk about uh factory homes as being more efficient but but how does it actually work you know, for somebody that, that that hasn't walked around your factory yet? What, what are some of the specific things that are done and, and how do those affect quality? Because I think certainly yeah. post Grenfell, there has been a massive, massive uh, need to shake up standards. And, and as well as that, you know, large consumer issues around the, the quality of house builder stock, you know, just snagging and, and faults and, and issues that, that consumers more generally have had. You know, the housing sector doesn't have a good reputation for quality. So what specifically are you doing differently and, and how is that gonna 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 change things, do you think, going forward? Sure. So so you know it starts with with the design. Um, and in the design, you know, we incorporate the customer's requirements, you know, what they want from a kind of look and feel and comfort perspective. Um, but those designs are taken to a level of detail that, you know, no traditional house builder would 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 go to. So, you know, the things that the the trades, the the the, the craft people, you know, do on site, you know, they interpret the drawings that the architects have produced. You know, we take away all of that ambiguity um, so that the drawings are or, or, or developed to a level of detail which makes it absolutely crystal clear what sort of tolerances, what sort of standards, how many fixings should be there, you know, what 
gaps between uh, certain elements of the uh, of the construction should be there and, and how, how tightly they should be controlled. So we get to a point where there's way less variability in the way in which the, the product is constructed. You know, all our walls are straight kind of thing, you know. So, so you get great air tightness, um, you get a better standard of quality in terms of the aesthetics, um, the internal finishes, the way in which things go together so the doors click into place because there's a very, very clear definition of, of you know, of, of dimensions and how things should be hung together, yeah. etc. So, you you know, you get a better so quality. So, I guess I'm guessing things like... <clears throat> So I'm guessing things like air tightness and, and the doors clicking together, they're, they're quite fundamental things in the aviation industry. Well, they? absolutely. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of used to, to working to a level of uh, tolerance that's, uh, that's, that's very different. But, you know, and, and then it goes into when you're on the factory floor, you know, the, the, the whole mindset, the whole ethos is about quality and continuous improvement. So, you know, and that's not just one designer trying to make things better. That's, you know, 150 people who work on the shop floor every day having a responsibility for the work that they do having a responsibility for doing it to the right standard and having a responsibility to put their hand up and say this ain't quite working you know, how do I make it better so we're on a you know we're on a path to do something that's sort of revolutionary in house building which is get to zero defects and we talk about zero defects and we talk about root cause and we talk about driving down root cause because our ambition is that as the modules go through the manufacturing process at every step of the way we don't pass any faults forward so we get to the end of the production line without any any you know traditional snags and we're not quite there yet but we i absolutely promise you we will get there and we will deliver homes that are you know a, a real joy to live in right from the start and and do you think i mean what what should the message be to policymakers right now because obviously we've got uh we're going to have a massive challenge ahead that that's going to require some significant policy support and construction, roughly 12% of GDP is, is a huge, huge uh, part of that recovery. So what, you know, how, how important is it that, that we don't forget about the, the you know, the, the offsite manufacturing sector that has been growing out the last few years? Yeah. How, how much of a role does, does what you're doing need to play in, in delivering a response to this crisis? I, I think we've got a absolutely pivotal role to play in, in, in the recovery of the UK economy. You know, ourselves and a number of other modular manufacturers are right on the cusp of being able to deliver in volume. And, you know, we must maintain that. And I think actually we can play a role to unlock stalled sites, you know, sites that others won't be able to deliver as a result of this crisis. And we have the opportunity to grow an industry that's going to bring, you know, high tech jobs and can grow quite rapidly, you know, creating really good jobs in an economy that's going to need it, um, delivering new and homes. that's really key. This, this, this R&D piece, I think, is, is, is just as critical, isn't it, as, as building homes? Because I think we talk, don't we, about the, the need for Britain to become a knowledge economy post-Brexit. But actually, the amount of R&D in, in construction over the decades has, has been absolutely woeful, hasn't it, compared to other industries like aviation like pharmaceuticals that that that, that have generated a, a lot of uh, a lot of innovation and we haven't really changed much so how important how, how do we get that message across do you think about r&d around innovation around the need for for higher skilled workers 
Yeah, I mean, I, I just think as a country, and and I think we'll face this post crisis we need to you know we need to get a little less squeamish about um making losses in early years in order to be able to deliver a quality product at, at, at the end you know um if you're building a new business there is going to be a period of of investment there's going to be a period of product development and you know the braver you are in terms of taking those steps you know the better the quality of the output you, you should get at the end of that. So, so we've you know spent the last three years developing our processes, developing our designs, um, and 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 prototyping product and improving things. And that you know that that sequence of you know, developing designs and then continually improving things is absolutely vital to to growing an industry, to improving the the product quality and passing value to the customers. And that's, you know, that's a path that many industries have been on for some time. And it's, it, you know, I think it's great to see the modular manufacturing industry evolving in the UK, you know, because I think it's got massive potential as a as a, a, a an exporter globally. And I think we're going to need industries like the modular manufacturing industry as a country, as some of the more traditional industries shrink post-crisis. And, and how do you see um, you know, how do you see that skills base being being amplified? Because again, one of the it's certainly one of the the challenges that the construction sector has faced is is an aging workforce. There are separate questions over you know, post Brexit how how we deal with immigration and, and visas and, and and that all that whole bag of, of challenges. But but in terms of of bringing in people and training them up. Um, how does that need to to align? How do, how does private sector investment from companies like Legal in general need to align with what we're doing at you know, schools, academies, universities, apprenticeships? Um, because you know, again, that's something that, that the aviation world seems to really get right, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, I, I think you know, generally people are attracted to roles that have variety and interest, and where they can make a difference. And you know. That's what we're trying to create in in legal and general modular. You know, we, you know, giving people the autonomy to add value to what we we do. You know, is you know completely aligns with our our continuous improvement ethos. And and I think people are highly motivated by jobs where they can bring their knowledge and experience. They can grow it in a place of work, and they can, you know, really feel that they've made a difference to the end product, and they can really see the connection you know, the purpose of what they're doing. And, and you know, we're really trying to you know, address the UK's housing crisis, really trying to put good quality product out there that, that looks good. And that it's going to be nothing better than being able to drive past a housing estate and say, you know, we built that. It's different. It looks really high quality. It stood the test of time and people want to live there, you know, and, and, and those sorts of things make people feel proud. And I think giving people that that ability to you know bring their knowledge and skills and grow them is 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 something that will attract people to this industry so i mean that it's a good point around uh, around driving inclusivity and and responsibility and and that 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 all aligns really uh yeah that all aligns really well with with Nigel Wilson and, and and a lot of his views the boss of legal and general at group level uh, and a lot of his views around uh responsible inclusive capitalism and 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 taking a long-term view because some would ask rosie wouldn't they perhaps why is a large FTSE 100 insurance business um 
why is it investing in in some construction and, and modular housing and, and and all of these things is, is that not a bit of a diversion and and so where does it where does it sit within within that that bigger picture because i guess some people might not understand yeah well i mean you know one of the big parts of what lng does is is you know invest to deliver long-term returns to match its pensions liabilities and you know housing provides a good opportunity to do that um i think the investment in housing you know as nigel said many times is is made in the context of you know investing in the uk economy for growth and you know LNG, we see um, the the failure to invest in housing over time, you know, creating a, a drag on the UK economy. So if people can't, you know, can't own their own home, can't can't you know move around the country to to jobs that they need and and be assured that they you know need to do and be assured that they're going to have a great place to live, then it it creates a natural drag on the economy. I think also, you know, you'll hear Nigel talk about inclusive capitalism, intergenerational unfairness. And we've, you know, we've created a, in the UK, uh, a a housing market that has, you know, spiraled out of control in terms of pricing. Um, And that's really creating a, you know, an environment where some people feel disenfranchised by that and, and, and really part of what we're trying to do is invest for the future, invest to promote economic growth in the UK and address some of that that gap. So actually the, the upside here for government ministers of supporting this sector and, and helping drive demand actually goes goes far beyond simply building homes and far beyond a few stamp duty receipts. It's actually a, a much bigger play that, that has to exist over over many generations yeah i mean the you know the the government's talking about leveling up now you know we've been investing in in cities uh throughout the uk to you know um upgrade infrastructure and provide good quality housing um and we will continue to do that i think it's something that's vital to to the, the the future growth of the uk economy so rosie before we go you guys are returning to work now and and you're getting the new production line up and running what 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 could someone expect to see if they if they wandered into your factory over the next couple of weeks what what, what does the next couple of months look like for you yeah well you know as we've been away from the factory the engineer manufacturing engineers have been putting in you know re-engineering processes so that we can conduct those safely when we return to work so you know you'll see a a factory operating under social distancing measures uh, but you'll see a factory um, starting to build up for delivery um, on some of our new schemes uh, that we will be active on through the rest of this year in in Selby and uh, and in Bristol so we're very very keen to get back to work to do so safely and and protect the the health of our employees and start delivering um, much needed affordable housing throughout the UK. Thank you then to Rosie Tugut from LNG Modular Homes. It's a really fascinating behind the scenes look at how they are responding to the current crisis and moving forward. Um, now let's bring in Mark Farmer, who's CAST CEO and the UK government's MMC champion for home building, who's been listening to that conversation. And, and Mark, as ever, has got some analysis to share with us. Morning, Mark. Um, what did you what did you take from that? 
Hi, Andy. Um, yeah, I, Rosie had made some really, really uh, important points there in, in her commentary. Uh, Rosie's perspective is particularly interesting in that she comes from outside of the construction sector, um, having worked in um, aerospace manufacturing for many years. Her viewpoints uh, are always really interesting in terms of um, looking back at the construction and home building sector. But for me, the, the main takeaways related to some messaging that she uh, gave around collaboration. Uh, she she made some really strong points around the fact that unlike perhaps the behaviours that we've seen historically in the, in the construction and home building sectors, um, Rosie is seeing the beginnings of much more collaboration amongst what you might feel are peer group competitors, actually, in terms of MMC manufacturers who are all in the same market. And what what she, um, she, she said quite rightly is that many of them are realising that they're better off working together and to collaborate where appropriate to have a more joined up voice, to be able to speak with one voice, certainly to government, um, but also potentially to their different supply chains and to, to, to be more effective and efficient in terms of how they organise their businesses while still allowing them to compete. Um, so we're talking about effectively pre-competitive collaboration to, to use a term that's used a lot in manufacturing. And you know all of that is really aimed at growing the size of the cake rather than slicing the cake up into smaller pieces, which is an analogy that I use quite a lot. Um, the MMC market is not big at the moment and the upside potential in terms of new homes in this country is massive. So it doesn't serve anyone to be guarding everything in terms of protecting IP or, you know, not sharing and collaborating on ideas or bigger picture strategic thinking. This is the time where that joined up approach and, you know, some of the larger businesses coming together and actually bringing SMEs with them as well. I think that's a really important point um, can be to the benefit of everyone. And uh, it was good to hear Rosie um, pick up on that um, as a sort of key theme of where she thinks that the MMC market is going. Yeah, I mean, the the other thing I think that also seems absolutely integral and very important to LNG is this focus on sustainability. Um, and, and clearly that needs to be a central plank of how the government responds to the current crisis and moves forward in the round with, with its support for home building. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And, you know, I think it's really important. You know, the government has a big decision to make here and it, it, it's got to decide whether it just wants recovery or whether it wants a good recovery. And a good recovery in many respects, I, I think people are equating to being a green recovery. So the you know the sensitivity about climate change, which has really come to the fore in the last 12 to 18 months, um, it's easy sometimes to forget that. But I think most people aren't forgetting it this time. They've already seen, and it's tangible even in this lockdown period, things like the amount of pollution that's been cleared, um, people getting feeling healthier and fit, fitter in terms of going out and taking exercise. I just think there's a sense that that climate change piece is really important and can be in, and taken as a, 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 a and, and leveraged in the way in which we recover from this crisis. And, and Rosie's point about how sustainability is a bit of a it's a bit of a given if you do MMC well. If you're using manufacturing techniques, then the ability for the the process to deliver high efficiency homes that uh, are, are highly fabric efficient um, actually can be embedded and enabled with technology in terms of making smart building assets that uh, all in all uh, use less energy and can monitor that energy um, more effectively and intelligently um, has got to be a good thing. And also, you know, the, the the other element here is the amount of waste that we have in our industry. If you take, 
you know, everything we do in construction, about 40 to 50% of it gets thrown away or, you know, it, it, it's, it's just wasted in terms of um, not used in, in, in a final asset or it goes to landfill or it's, it's, it's waste in some shape or form, which all affects climate change in terms of either carbon or um, uh, the, the environment. So it's really important to recognise that MMC offers an opportunity to deliver a green, good recovery as opposed to just any old recovery. And I think that's a really important point. Um, and, and I think, I mean, the other, the other thing as well, Mark, is what you know. What should the response now be from policymakers? Because I guess on some level, people are going to be thinking, oh, you know, MMC is a bit risky. Um, we've got limited public funds to now, uh, uh, you know, spend. Maybe we should just do what we've done before. It, it, you know, what, what's the opportunity here to to really lead with innovation? Well, I think it's a it's it's a massive opportunity, and and Rosie again made a really good point towards the end. I think she said, you know, everyone needs to be a little bit squeamish, less squeamish about making losses in the early stages of innovation. And you know, some of the media have jumped on this sort of ticket of um, some of the big MMC manufacturers making losses in their startup phase. But that's what's going to happen when you're spending lots of money in terms of upfront capital investment, in terms of fixed costs of uh, machinery and equipment and factories, but also product development. And that's all about innovation and research and development. And that has to be good for the industry. So I think, you know, as a as, as a society, you know, not to forget, forgetting government for one second, but just as a responsible society, we should be really supporting those innovators and pioneers who want to go out there and do something different. Because, you know, it's very easy to to say, well, we'll just continue doing it the way we've always done it because we've developed a flexible industry. We can shrink and contract in bad times and then we grow again when we have to. But that doesn't move us any further forward in terms of the quality of the homes that we're building, the issues we have around skills. You know, we are becoming less and less resilient as an industry. And I think, you know, the recovery from COVID-19 is going to really, really show that even more than ever before. So I think those innovators and LNG um, are right at the front of the pack here in terms of the amount of money that they've put on the line in terms of wanting to do the right thing for the industry and to demonstrate Nigel Wilson's inclusive capital mantra um you know should be applauded for for wanting to be brave and to do it for the betterment of not just the industry but for for the general public in terms of delivering better homes uh, and i think the other the other fascinating part about lng's business model is it, it transcends tenure doesn't it they're looking pretty much at every stage of of, of the tenure life cycle from you know from from single family housing student housing rented housing, later living, and modular potentially or MMC has a role in, in, in every tenure, doesn't it? It does. And, you know, as you say, it's a fairly unique perspective that LNG have as a major financial services player. Um, you know, they, they've, they've made it their, their sort of vision, if you like, to, to be really supporting the UK's economic growth and to do that, as, as I've said, through this mantra of inclusive capitalism which is about making sure that no part of society is left behind. And by implication in the housing sector, that means that it wants to be involved in everything from social housing through to open market sale and every aspect of the subsector within that, including, you know, conventional volume house builder sector with its investment in Carla, for instance, um, in its build to rent 
um, in, in investments, which is significant um, for its later living businesses, whether it's inspired villages or, or guild living. Um, you know, it's it's in every aspect of the housing sector, but it's also in things like infrastructure and regeneration and doing public-private partnership deals that are all about um, you know, driving this 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 inclusive growth agenda. So, you know, the, the modular play, even though lots of people have said it's non-core, have questioned whether, you know, LNG should be doing it. You know, the reality is they've made the call that if they were to just rely on the, the existing traditional construction sector to deliver against all of those different asset classes, they'll fail. So, you know, it's real foresight from them to, 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 to venture into the supply chain and the means of production um, and to want to do things differently, again, for, 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 for um, the betterment and improvement of the housing sector. But also it's a smart move in terms of just simply de-risking your supply chain, isn't it? I mean, that, that's, and that's one of, the, one of the big, big trends we've seen emerge from this COVID-19 crisis is that people's supply chains have been at risk because because they haven't been able to control them. Yeah, yeah, I, I, and you know th- that that's got to be one of the key takeaways from COVID nineteen. Um, you know, I've been going on now for probably the best part of four four years about something called pre manufactured value or PMV, and I, I've been pushing the, the industry to increase its PMV, which effectively means to increase the amount of manufactured content in its construction projects. And you can do that, you know, anything from a sort of a full volumetric modular scheme, which is very high PMV, through to hybrid approaches, which just take parts of buildings that are more manufactured, whether it's bathroom pods or utility cupboards or panelized walling systems, etc. And as you increase the PMV, my, my view is that you're going to be building a more resilient solution. You know, what we've seen with social distancing is the inability to um, to 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 continue high labor intensity on construction sites. It's contravening social distancing. There's the risk that that will continue into the future and it might flare up again if we have another incidence of the virus reoccurring uh, in, in the coming months. So I think there's a push now more than ever to increase PMV through looking at different modern methods of construction, looking at off-site manufacturing, looking at even on-site manufacturing through flying factory concepts and the like, because the more you can do that and the more you can combine that with more resilient supply chains. So there's no point doing that if you're still reliant on the same plasterboard manufacturer that you know it serves all the big volume house builders as well, because you'll end up shut shut down much the same way as they have. So you have to approach it on two fronts. You have to increase your manufacturer content and you have to build resilient supply chains. And the MMC sector is ideally placed to do that and to deliver solutions that clients are increasingly, I think, going to see as being much more robust and able to give them certainty in terms of time, cost, quality. Well, that's all from today's PropCast. Thanks for listening. Um, we've got a, a whole heap of MMC goodness to come over the next few days, including Ilka Homes, Lange Rourke, Homes England, and, and far more analysis from Mark Farmer at Cast. So please stay tuned. Please search and subscribe to PropCast, which you can find on Apple, Spotify, and all other podcast platforms. Please follow Resi Event uh, and keep tuned to propertyweek.com for all the latest happenings in the property market. I'm Andrew Teacher from Blackstock Consulting. Thanks for listening. <laughs>